<laughs> all right okay so we are live i want to give you guys a moment to share with your followings share with your family share with your friends uh we have some great information to share this evening want to get the viewers come on in come on in good people all right, so uh, greetings, greetings, champion parents. Welcome back to Mommy Talk. We wanna take a moment again to give you time to share. Please engage with us this evening and chime in on the chat. As always, we are here to share information and resources to inspire, I have to say that again, inspire positive parental engagement. We are real, relatable and right on time dr pert miss <laughs> april hi and myself miss lisa i'm still sharing <laughs> okay it's all good that's that's what we need we need to take a moment to share that's cool um and i am delighted to say we have a, a very special uh guest with us this evening uh mr dwight jones can wave your hand <laughs> uh, yeah, so before we get into the uh, introduction, we have a, a quick fun uh, fact to share. So did you know uh, that parents need techniques? Uh, well, basically, you're talking about reverse psychology. I always think this is such a fun topic. Um, but parents need, uh, 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 parents need techniques to compel their children to behave well. And I could definitely relate to this. Um, reverse psychology is one method that can be used to address inappropriate conduct in kids. This important tool helps parents influence their children's decision. I'm gonna say that one more time. This important tool helps parents influence their children. Adults can use reverse psychology when arguing for a particular course of action while secretly hoping that the child will opt for the opposite, yes. So reverse psychology often works well with headstrong uh, children. Uh, so again, that is something I'm sure many of us uh, parents can relate to. So today we have uh, Mr. Dwight Jones. He is a champion husband, a champion father, a champion grandfather, and a champion man of God. He is a success successful, educator who climbed the ranks as a science teacher, curriculum specialist, and now executive director of culture and climate at Detroit Public Schools Community District. So welcome, Mr. Dwight Jones. Glad to have you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be with you ladies this evening. Thank you. Thank you. You're muted, uh, Dr. Perk. Oh, okay, great. Uh, absolutely. Hey, Mr. Jones, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, Principal Pert? <laughs> I am doing well. So let everybody know, who is Mr. Dwight Jones? Um, as, as Lisa shared, um, you know, husband, father, uh, grandfather, educator, um, but just actually just someone who uh, takes life as it comes. Um, I don't stress out too much about anything. Um, I always tell my, my, my family, uh, if I'm not panicking, there's nothing for you to worry about. When I panic, then you need to worry. Um, I like to make certain that they know and understand um, that when uh, challenges in life come against us as a unit, uh, and I use that word unit because we cannot do this alone. Um, I'm just someone who is real, um, raw at times, but definitely relevant. Uh, and I want our, um, just our people as a culture um, to recognize that we do have a place in this world. Amen. Yeah, I like that. And I like how you say I'm raw yet relevant. Yeah, I like that. That's what's up. Um, initiate or you instill your kids to be calm or your children to be calm. And you said that if you're not panicking, patient panic so that's good that's good so when they when you when you start worrying and panicking that's what like oh they know it's getting real <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah 
So, Mr. Jones, did you have another vision for yourself when initially planning your life? Actually, I did. I um, I, I graduated from Grambling State University with a biology uh, pre-med degree. Um, my goal was to go to medical school and become a pediatrician. Um, and about two weeks after graduating from college, um, around this time, as a matter of fact, today, I uh, graduated 20 years ago, today from Grambling State University with that degree. Um, two weeks later, um, my former Sunday school teacher called me and said, we have a teacher going on maternity leave. You just got a degree in science. Do you want to teach high school science until uh, the end of the school year? I'm like, eh. She's like, well, you can earn a couple thousand before you go to medical school. I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So lo and behold, I, I, I did it for a half a year. enjoyed it. Um, and I thought uh, during this course, um, I got my degree to be a doctor for children, uh, but the Most High had other plans for me. While I thought I was going to be working with children in the medical field, his plans was to have me work with children in the educational field. So instead of working, um, I wanted to be a cardiac, uh, a pediatric cardiologist. So instead of working on their hearts, he allowed me to work on their heart, meaning their mind, um, through education and now. Uh, landed in a role that I think uh, the Most High has specifically for me because no one sat in this seat in Detroit Public Schools before me. Uh, and it's, it's a pleasure and an opportunity um, to shift and transform the climate and culture uh, of our young people. Awesome. So today we're talking about understanding Generation Z. So before we delve into this topic, Explain to our listeners, what is a generation and why does it matter? So I think um, if, you, if you think uh, scientifically, uh, generation is um, often referred to as a span of about 20 years. Uh, and, and in the um, King James Version, especially King James Version, the Apocrypha Version, talks about uh, generation as a score. Uh, if anyone understands that a score is a span of 20 years, you see three scores. Typically over 20 years, a generation, a new generation starts. Uh, and if you look in the family structure of a generation, um, understanding from um, grandparents to parents to the actual children in that realm and then so forth uh, and on into um, descendants and then previous into their ancestors. Um, there's just different generations and times of upbringing from um, basically birth to 20. Um, I've had, I've recently had conversations with my own sons, whereas our society says you're grown at 18, uh, but the Bible specifically explains that uh, fathers giving their sons their blessing at the age of 20. Uh, so that basically uh, signifies what a generation is, that they become into, they come into their manhood at age 20. And, and then, you know, scientifically, your human brain doesn't finish developing or doesn't mature until about age 23. And I don't think too many people understand or even recognize that. Awesome. Um... There you go, spitting that knowledge. <laughs> Honestly, I can agree with that because... I know I can think back to, you know, to my youth. I mean, heck, I can even think back to 25 and, and feeling like um, I needed my mom for so much, you know, um, and, you <laughs> well, know. Not only speaking from a personal perspective, I think that even though looking at my sons, they're 21 and 22, and I'm like, okay, they're legal to vote. They're legal to do everything, but are they mature to handle it? Exactly. And, you know, although they're awesome young men, it's, you know, phenomenal young men, they're just, <laughs> I wouldn't say not ready, but they're developing, but they're definitely not where they, I wouldn't say they're not where they need to be, but I don't feel like they're as mature or, you know, as responsible. I mean, I guess they are, but, you know, just saying, I just feel like they're- They haven't yet had the experiences yeah, to- Yeah, their experience, yeah. Need. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they feel like they have, because you, you all have heard people say, I'm 18, I'm grown, I'm grown, I'm grown, I'm grown you know, and we know- 21. Grown people don't say that. <laughs> That's, a good point. That's a good point. I remember that in a year and a half 
when my daughter turns 18. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're talking about Generation Z, and this Generation uh, Z typically spans from basically 1997 to 2012. And so today, I want us to delve into the conversation of how can a parent successfully raise this Generation Z uh, child? Because if we think about this uh, child, you know, they fall into uh, events such as uh, global terrorism. They're known as the social media natives, um, YouTube, digital content. There are internet uh, babies, our technical uh, babies. So, and then also this group right here uh, experienced the Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage. So as a parent, um, how, how, what trends have you noticed? How have generations changed over time? Well, um, one of the things that I, that I actually noticed is the generational gap, um, it closed, it widened, and then it closed again. What, what I mean is, um, for instance, my, my grandmothers, um, who all became mothers at about 16, uh, and then it opened up and then it closed a bit more, but then that close knit family structure, as we were able to go to college and land jobs in other places away from our own hometown, kind of took us away from that. So that close knit of, you know, going by grandma's house or going by an aunt's house, staying with the siblings until your parents get off work, um, that has shifted as well and has allowed a lot of our children uh, pre COVID to be kept into schools longer. So we're being dropped, students are being dropped off early for early childcare. And then later they're staying afterwards. When, when I was growing up, I was, it was go to grandmother's house uh, until mom get off. So some of those things have, have shifted. And what you end up having when, you, when your child is in the school a bit longer, you have other influences on their way of thinking and, and their life. Um, traditionally things that we have um, been able to have accustomed to what we want to share with our kids um, by removing them from the home and the close-knit family structure, you lose a sense of that. Um, and then you have individuals sharing, well, did you know this? So we have to be careful of how long we keep our children away from us around other individuals that we don't know because there is a need for us to keep our jobs and be professional professionals in this world and we're trying to provide our kids with uh, resources uh, greater than that of which we had. Uh, while that may be true, you also run the risk of allowing individuals uh, to speak to your children. And, and what I mean by that is typically whoever they hear it from first is the expert. Um, and, and, I, and I shared that I, I was fortunate enough to have daughters first that are now 27 and 24 and my sons are 14 and 16. Uh, and I got the question, well, when do you talk to your girls about sex? I was like, as soon as they can talk. And it was like, why so early? You don't think that's a problem? Well, I want to be the expert. I want to be referred to as the expert. So if, if, if I let them go to school and they hear about it, then they're going to compare life to what they hear at school. And I think it was, it was interesting and important for my wife and I to intervene on those conversations early enough so that they can feel comfortable enough to come to her or I uh, in the event. So... And, and I, I definitely agree with that um, because one of the things that I practice as a parent is I don't keep information from my children because I think that it's very important because so right now they have access to so much information but yet also misinformation and I feel like they need to hear it from me because they're hearing yeah. things from other people which may not be true so I just feel like as a parent the responsible thing to do is to communicate with your child before they get a hold of some misinformation that can possibly cause them some type of harm so I think that's very important and I, I think to add to that if you don't know just share that with your child and say you know what Mommy or daddy will will research that together and then we'll come to a conclusion about what we think is best for us in our home as we as we move forward and as you grow into adulthood. Um, yeah. Getting away from the because I said so or because I'm the oldest, sometimes it didn't sit well with us and I know it doesn't sit well with mm. our. Yeah. 
It didn't say what it mean, but it made me be quiet when my mother said. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It, it was no more needed to be said. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I do think it's important to always give some type of explanation because as children, we're very curious, and sometimes if we don't understand why you're doing something, we begin to rebel. So I think mm -hmm. that it's very important, you know, to give your child an explanation, and it doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be at that particular moment. But I think follow up is always good, so that you know your child can be like, hey, I understood where my parents were coming from. So yeah. talking about Generation Z. Real quick, Dr. Part, mm -hmm. Dr. Part, real quick. I'm sorry, uh, because that's that's something very important, what you just said um, about giving kids an explanation. Uh, but I do think that there's a fine line where kids need to understand because there's a difference um, in, in explaining uh, or giving an explanation because sometimes it can make them feel that they're entitled uh, to certain um, actions. Uh, from a parent. So I think that there's a fine line that we need to understand, you know, the difference between, I don't know, I, I'm looking for the right term, but between explaining and providing an explanation. So uh, thank you. That was a, uh, that was very important what you just said. Thanks. Cool, cool, cool. I like to say thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in right now. Uh, Frank McGee gave you two uh, power fists, uh, Mr. Jones. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Courtney, uh, Courtney Webster said, hey, people. And as always, we have Miss Dorothy Morton. Hey, hey, how is everybody? Thank you, everybody, for um, tuning in um, today. Hey, Ms. So, is there, so when we think about Generation Z, you know, you hear a lot of, um, People saying, oh, my child is uh, playing video games too much. They're watching YouTube. They're on the internet. So is there such a thing um, as too much TV, too much uh, use of the internet? Uh, yeah, I, I do think uh, too much of anything is bad. Um, I do think too much uh, video gaming, too much uh, YouTube, too much television is is overwhelming. I, I, I think too much reading a book causes a problem because you can get caught up into the stories in which you're reading and never come out for some socialization. Um, so I think that is the, part, the portion. Um, in, in my home, what I do is uh, the, the beautiful thing that uh, Comcast Xfinity has done is given me the power to shut the Wi-Fi off from my phone. Um, so now I force them, you know, and, and you know, we, we make them come into our bedroom and have a conversation and just sit there, even if they don't have anything to say, and then it, it just forces them. And I find themselves, our, our family, looking forward to having those moments of communication, but too much television, video game, uh, YouTubing, it can consume you and you start to believe in these things that you see uh, rather than just having a reality check. Uh, and it's also a struggle when, um, you find kids are struggling to have conversation. Um, I'm 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 old school. I, I like to I like to to have a conversation with people. Um, it's something that I'm sharing with my sons now. Like, why are you texting her? You you don't want to talk to her? I'm like, you know, I I, I had to pick up the phone. And be like, look, I ain't doing nothing. I just wanted to hear the sound of your voice, but because texting wouldn't do it for me. Um, yeah. Plus, I'm occupying time for you to have time to be talking to somebody else, too. So uh, I want all your attention. But that communication is key. And just the companionship. I mean, you can hide behind technology to a point to where you're literally non-existent and you turn into a bite from the, the, the terminology that IT or, or computer information uses. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Too much. Uh, the, you know, technology is um, a lot, you know, we don't want to have our kids involved in um, excessive technology. And I like how you said that you shut down your Wi-Fi and you just take time to um, have family moments with your children. It's good to have a check-in and, you know, just have a conversation with them, you know, see how I never thought about doing that. Yeah. I never yeah. thought about turning the white. It's in my room. 
Thank you. Oh, you can download the app. <laughs> download the app. So it, it came to me, the power went out uh, on a Sunday afternoon at about 2 p.m. and didn't come back on until about 5 the next day. And mm -hmm. I just, I recognize how much interaction we had as a family. And I'm like, you know what? I'll start turning yeah. Wi-Fi off. You know, and and you know, because you just see it. How you how you're watching a movie as a family, but everybody's in their phone. Yes. Yep. And and and, and that's funny because um, I started telling my children, "Hey, we're gonna have uh, family time. You all come down here." It's like the youngest one, the six year old, and the three year old. They're on board, but that thirteen year old. Oh no, she wants to be on her phone. She wants to do her TikTok dances. But right now, I think that's healthy for her to do her TikTok dances because right now, you know, we're not able to go out and do anything physical. So yeah. I'm like, my my younger children, they run around the house. But her, you know, she's busy doing those dances. And I'm like, okay, that's some type of physical activity for her to uh do while she's in the house because i know the other day i started jogging in place in the house i'm like i need to give me some physical activity like yeah. what's going on i started doing some push-ups i was able to make it to five i'm like i'm doing good so and that's the female push-ups by the way <laughs> i made it to the big five <laughs> mm-hmm so I, I do think that's important uh, that with anything you have some uh, type of balance. So, Mr. Jones, what is good parenting? Um, for me, one is it's being real, um, being firm. Um, it, it's it's amazing that we don't recognize that we had a good parent until either we become adults or parents of our own. Um, it was about two years ago, my daughter said, you know, oh, I hated daddy so much, but now I realize that I have this two-year-old, he was just a good parent. Uh, it's, it's providing structure and, and, and they may not like it. And what, what, what children don't understand, I think, well, I know is that every decision a parent makes involves them. Where am I gonna go on vacation? What am I gonna cook tonight? Oh, so-and-so don't eat that. So I gotta change the menu on this. Um, what time do I have to get up in the morning to make certain everybody is cared for? Every decision that you make while you are a parent of young children involves them left and right. Um, don't they? They can't grasp that concept that if you're gonna go and have date night with mom or dad, you got to make sure certain that there is someone responsible enough that's in the, that's caring for your kids, and then you're making certain that you're not out too long. Uh, so good parenting is, is in my opinion, is always being there. But at the same token, um, good parent is also trusting your children until they give you reason not to, but explaining um, this is what happens when you don't um, follow what the expectations are. It's setting goals, setting expectations, establishing a relationship, and just saying, talk to me, um, and then sharing with them what your plans are. Um, a lot of times, you know, we ask our kids, well, what do you plan on doing with your life? And they're 16, 17 years old. Um, I make it a habit that in, in elementary school, what is it that you want to do? Because for, for so long, we don't get kids to start thinking about going to college until their senior year. Well, the children that go to Harvard, Columbia, Cornell, and Gramlin State don't say they're going to go there their senior year. They plan to go to those schools before leaving middle school so that they get the right high school courses. It is planning for your children's future with them and not planning for your children's future for them, letting them have a say in that. Um, and I think you can either um, raise your children or have fun with them and then raise your grandchildren. But I prefer to raise my children and therefore I don't have to deal with the grandchildren. I can, I can take care of the wants with them. Mm, I, I do feel that it is important um, to establish a relationship with your children. And I think that uh, good parenting um, skills with good parenting skills should come unconditional love. 
because we know that conflict will arise no matter what in any relate in any relationship and i think that during those times you know sometimes we get frustrated we want to pull our hair out and you know it's it's parents i just want to say don't give up during those times when your children are acting up i think that is the time to love them <clears throat> even more unconditionally and to provide support and then I think it's important that if they're not getting the message from you, as uh, Miss Lisa always says, use your village, you know, because sometimes we hear a message from somebody else and it dawns on us like, oh, you know, I understand now, you know, and sometimes as parents, we can get a little bit offended, like, hey, I've been trying to tell you that all the time. And I think mm -hmm. that as opposed to becoming offended, like, hey, your child didn't listen to you, look at it as a positive, like I was able to connect my child with a resource or an individual to help get that message across that they were not hearing from me. And then I think another thing uh, that comes with good parenting is listening to your child children to understand how they feel and where they're coming from. I think it's always important to listen to them and not be judgmental. I mean, you may disagree with how they feel, but I think as a parent, as you said, Mr. Jones, it's important to establish that relationship so your children will want to come to you at those times and say, you know, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'll come to mom or dad with this issue because I know that they're not going to judge me. And, and, and also, Doctor Perk, you uh, you talked about uh, the uh, parent. Uh, I'm trying to go back to what you just said, but about the uh, parents uh, when um, they get undesirable uh, behavior. And one of the points we brought up uh, last week was that even if you get uh, undesirable behavior, behavior, excuse me, um, if you get uh, undesirable behavior, um, not to panic, um, but that sometimes we can use uh, that behavior uh, to turn it into something positive. Sometimes when our kids act up, we act out, we want to punish or chastise, but sometimes we need to focus on why they're acting out and how they're acting out and maybe some kind of way, especially a maybe a child that talks too much. Maybe we can figure out a way to get them into doing speeches or something like that. I mean, it may, that may not be a really good example, but somehow uh, we got to start trying to figure out how to turn these negative behavior behaviors. Lord Jesus, get it out, Miss Lisa. <laughs> turn these negative behaviors uh, into something positive. Yeah. <laughs> it's good you, uh, Dr. Pert lifted um, using the village. Um, something that I found to be very helpful to us is going back to our parents. So if you're fortunate enough to still have your parents alive, it's amazing how grandparents think. And, well, you didn't do that with us because they have matured. So yeah. it's very easy for me to go to our parents and say, uh, this is what's going on. Let me tell you what your grandson did. Now, how would you handle that now? Because I knew how you would have handled it if it was me. And amazingly enough, they give you some solid advice. And, and even uh, my mother has said, I tell you what, tell him, call me. And my mother has dealt with it. And the next thing I know, he's coming to us. Mom and dad, I want to apologize for how I behaved. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. My mom will call yeah. me the next day. Did he talk to you? I'm like, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Whatever you said, I don't need to know, but I appreciate it. Yeah. So. Absolutely. As parents, we're always evolving. We're always getting better. And yeah. our grandparents offer a different perspective. Our parents and the grandparents offer a different perspective because they've grown and learned through their experience. Yeah. Um, we have a question for you, Mr. Jones, by Mr. McGee. He's saying, what can parents do to create new family traditions during the pandemic? How can youth contribute Oh, well, that's another question. So we're going to stop there. So okay. what can parents do to create new family traditions during a pandemic? Um, family traditions during this pandemic, something that, that I have, um, I've gotten involved with with my family uh, is definitely uh, doing these affirmations at the end of the day. Um, regardless of what is going on in anybody's day prior to um, everybody going to their own quarters or bedrooms, if you will, uh, we sit around and we do affirmations about uh, about 30 minutes. And it's like a checkout for the day. Um, something positive that went on in your day uh, or talk about something that you would have, you need advice on how you could have handled better. 
Uh, and it's always about being better for tomorrow. Um, and just taking the real, um, the real conversation from your family, that feedback, but that's not enough. A lot of times we internalize some things and maybe have made a bad decision and think I shouldn't have done that, but we don't have anyone to turn to. So we, we, we really talk about something that has taken place, whether it was a family member or a coworker. I think I really went too harsh today on a group of individuals. Um, does somebody want to share with me uh, how we could have done that? And, and I lead this thing with my team called restorative practices. And there's this fishbowl activity where uh, the person in the middle shares what they are going through and then other individuals pop in and give them advice. And that's what we pretty much do. It's, it's actually been going well. Um, and I wish I would have done it like 10 years ago. I probably would be uh, uh, secretary of education by now had I been listening to my family a long time ago. Awesome. It would have been um, nice to have you instead of Bessie DeVos. Absolutely. I, I, I don't disagree <laughs> with you at all. <laughs> so um, we have more questions. So how can you contribute to the family discussion? Contribute to the family discussion. I'm not certain. You. Youth. How can youth? How can youth contribute mm -hmm. to the family discussion? Um, is this on any topic? Because, you know, there's still those topics that we don't want, you know, kids to be involved in at, at a certain point. Uh, but I think um, getting the perspective or point of view of everyone, uh, depending on what it is, um, I think just opening it up to what, you know, thinking about what it is that they could do or what would they do if they were in your shoes. Um, sometimes, kids think outside of the box because they don't have the pressure of making the right decision. And I think that is, you know, alluding to what I just shared about what we do as a family. I think just having youth contribute to conversations or discussions that's being had, um, whether it's in school or in the home, um, again, they don't have the pressures of making the right decision. Uh, I share all the time um, through uh, premarital counseling years ago, uh, it was just shared. I'm responsible for the rise and the fall of the family. So every decision I make is a calculated risk. However, my baby boy could come in here and be like, Dad, you should just do this. I'm like, all right, I'll try that. Yep, that worked because it, it takes so much off of me as the one that everybody's looking for to make the right decision. You know, it, they were so fascinated when they saw me cry at my cousin's funeral two years ago because like, we, we'd never seen him cry. So just give them that opportunity to, to share it because they have something to say. So many times we were told, go in the other room, the adults are talking. Yeah, I, I like how you show, showed your son that it's okay to be vulnerable. I, I think that's important, you know, like, because as a man, you know, you're, you're seen in society as, oh, I have to be tough all the time. But allowing your children to see you vulnerable I, I just think that's amazing because that doesn't mean that you're weak. It just means that I'm a man that has emotions. And I, I think that's very important. So speaking of that, you know, when you have these circles, you know, conflict can arise. So what should parents do to try to avoid conflict with raising their children? Having children, conflict will happen. Um, I mean, when you say you want to avoid it, when you avoid it, that's to me, that's you're trying to be their friend. And, and that's something that, that I'm not trying to be because I have to be the parent. Um, I can come across as friendly. Um, but I think setting those structures and those parameters, but also explaining why um, to your kids to give them a better understanding of what your decisions are. But when you recognize um, situations maybe later in the future, you can also explain to them, this is why. When, um, and something real simple when it comes to driving, the kids think you just don't want them to take the car. And, and I've, I've shared with all of my children, I'm not concerned about you. If I say you're ready to go, then I believe you are. However, the person that just took that last shot of gin is not concerned about the fact you haven't been on the road for two months. That's the person that I'm, uh, I'm concerned about. So it's not that I don't trust you, 
I don't trust the nature in which you're about to go out in. Um, and that that is a struggle uh, for every parent, because if I could just send you to the store to come right back and freeze everybody else that's on the road, I would feel much more comfortable. Um, but conflict will happen. And I think typically it's along the lines of, of children feeling like their parents don't trust them. Uh, and, and I would urge children to just step back, but also parents to open up and just share with them. It's not that I don't trust you, it's I don't trust the nature of the environment of this world. Um, now, some of our children just give us a reason wholeheartedly not to trust them. Uh, for instance, my sons come with me to work every day because I don't trust they're going to stay up all day during this virtual learning. Um, and I know I'm right because they come to work with me and they have the audacity to go to sleep in my office in my face. <laughs> and you know, when I wrote that question, I'm like, yeah, this is a trick question because you can't avoid conflict in life. I was like, yeah. I really want to see how he's really going <laughs> to respond to this question. So, I, you know, and I think that as a parent, it's, it's good not to enable your children. I think it's it, when, when you really love someone, you always tell them when they're right and when they're wrong because you want to make sure that you are helping your child become the best person that they can be. So like one of the things like I tell my uh, children that look, don't ever compromise yourself or put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And I tell you, if mom or dad, if we ever lose our wits as we age and you know, you come around us and we make you feel uncomfortable uh, because we're not all there anymore, then don't, don't, don't come around us. Don't make, I, and I feel like me telling my daughter and my son, daughters and my son that that's that unconditional love that I'm putting your feelings. I don't want to say like first, but how can I say it? I, I'm respecting your feelings because I don't feel like just because I'm the parent, I'm always right because I can be wrong at times too. And I think as a parent, when you notice that you've made a mistake, that it's okay to circle back around to something and tell your child like, hey, I didn't, I didn't respond to this well. Let's talk about it. So half, so let's talk about uh, fathers because you're an amazing uh, father, you're an amazing husband. And so have fathers roles changed since time? Because we often hear a lot that fathers are not involved in their child's life. Is there a big uh, misconception about parenting today that fathers are left devoted uh, to their offspring? Um, I, I think this is something that goes down to the individual. Um, what have they experienced from their own childhood? Who have they been around? Uh, and I say that because um, fathers get a bad rap. Now, father to me is totally different than what a daddy is. Um, father is someone who basically um, donates their 23 chromosomes to make an individual. Now to be a daddy, that's totally something, that's something totally different. And I don't think everybody gets the right to be called daddy uh, because daddy is there unconditional, whether, whether daddy is biological or not. Um, the role of the father has not changed. I mean, I, I give men three Ps, protector, provider, and priest. That means you protect your family, you provide for your family and you pray over your family. Um, and that is all wrapped up into what daddy should do. Um, and it goes back to uh, what you said, being vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable in front of your family, but what our men struggle with is surrounding themselves with other men, not boys that wear men clothes, but other men. You know, I'm having a hard time with making ends meet. So I have some brothers that I can go to. And if I need to lean on, um, they're there to hold me up and just let me know, you know what, Dwight, it's going to be okay. You've been through things like this before. You will come out of this. Um, but don't you dare go home and let that woman and those kids see you breaking down because you can't get, uh, have ends to me. I think we run away from that. And mothers don't do that. Um, mothers stay in 24-7. Um, and, and I think the cop-out is when, you know, uh, men leave and say, I, I can't look in your face and not be able to provide for you. Well, 
I've always recognized that two minimum wage jobs is always better than one. Uh, and I think if we stay around and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a living testimony that it does get better. I became a father at 15. Um, my four children are for the same woman um, from 15 to 43. Um, and no, it wasn't easy. It was not easy at 15, but you know, and my mother was like, you're a fool. You're going to work and send this girl this money. And I mean all of it, and I'm gonna to continue to take care of you. Um, but it was my mother putting me on the right track. And, and, and even then, I still had some growing to do. I, I probably, uh, to my wife, probably became a real man probably about 12 to 15 years ago, because I, I still had some foolishness in me. Um, I'm a bruh, I pledged Omega, so you know she had to go through that time period as well. But it, I just thought I had to hop everywhere. But at the same token, um, through the duration of just sticking with me and holding me accountable, and that's something that we don't do enough for our men is hold them accountable of making certain that they don't run out on their responsibilities, such as um, our mothers, uh, our fathers, uh, our friends. You know, you know what, dog? I think it's time for you to go home. You got a family. You, yeah, I'm single, but you married. You, and you need to leave. Why do you want to be out with single men? Uh, we need to hold them accountable for that. And, and when we do that, um, we wonder why, especially we wonder why black women don't want to listen to us is because we stand in the boy role too long. Um, yeah, they, they want to be uh, assured that they will be taken care of. Uh, but when we don't demonstrate we can take care of ourselves, then they are led to be the ones that take care of the family themselves. And that's why you talk about big mama and not big daddy, but that will change with this family. I will be big daddy. And we don't stop talking about big mama so much. Big like daddy. that, I will be Big Daddy. Big Daddy. <laughs> so, Big Daddy, it's challenging times right now, and we are living in a pandemic. What can parents do to help their children cope with COVID-19, and how can a parent find balance between work, family, and personal interests? This, this pandemic has been a toll on all of us. I mean, it would be, uh, I would be remiss if I wouldn't share the challenges that families have faced because of it. Um, you've had to go without um, sending your kids to school, which most of them relied on as a form of free childcare, but the expectation is there. You want, you saw your children doing well and you didn't have the, the education that you would have desired to have. And you've had to watch your child regress during this pandemic. So this, that has been a toll on families and some of the things that, that I think we need to start looking at is the, the social emotional piece that this has had on individuals. I, I'm, while I'm in education, I, every time I get an opportunity to be asked, well, what would you do? Well, when you do bring them back to the building, the first thing we're not gonna do is talk about ELA, math, science, and social studies. We're going to talk about how has this affected you and what is it that we can do to get you back on the right track while we recognize it's important for you to have high quality education, I need to know how this has impacted you and can you share some moments, the teachers as well, because this has impacted us all. Um, and, and, and have some sessions for families as to, uh, I recommended for those that can to come to Saturday school and get engaged in lessons to be able to help their children from those that wanna share it. Um, it's, it's gonna be a difficult time for us to get, get back to what will be our new normal, uh, but we have to be able to not ignore that we've come out of this when we do, but face it and talk about it. And going back to school thinking that, you know, you're not gonna have some disciplinary issues, you're gonna have more disciplinary issues than you've ever had before with kids being out of school almost a full calendar year. Um, Yes, they are going to have to learn your new PBIS systems that you will say, you know, um, this, this happened before the pandemic. Uh, and in my own home, I had a child that, go from, that went from eighth grade to high school. He has never experienced his high school, uh, had his high school experience yet. My, my other son was a freshman. He didn't get a chance to finish that. So when you, when you make these transitions, it's going to be difficult on 
on all of us. Um, we're gonna have to trust schools again. Um, so I think the best thing that parents can do for their children is check in with them daily. Don't miss a day on that. I mean, it's beyond just what, what you learn in school today or what did you learn on a computer today? It is tell me about it and how can you relate that to life and how can that help you and what do you think should be done? Um, do you find your classes engaging? And if not, have you had an opportunity to talk to your teachers? Do I need to have a conference because you're disengaged? Um, it's gonna go beyond the, how's your day? Let's get dinner. All right, get ready for bed so we can get up in the morning. A lot of that has to change. Uh, and, it, and because I work in climate and culture, this is the transformation. I honestly think that the pandemic has been a blessing and a curse because it gives us that opportunity to get more close knit with just relying on one another versus just relying on my house and, and my structure. Um, we are all faced with so many things uh, because of this and, and there's been some shortcomings, but I think we can rebound uh, if we check on each other, uh, mental health and stability because the brain uh, is a magnificent organism. However, you never know what's going on inside each other's heads. And this solitary is not helping anyone. And that, that's important that you say that, um, because I even think, you know, even as a, a teacher, you know, I, I always say that um, we have, like, we have to continue these uh, wellness checks um, because there is not a small group of people who's going through uh, this. We're all going through this. And it, as well as trying to, you know, uh, educate our students, we have to continue, I mean, with our students, with our children, with the world, with our family, with our friends, we have to continue um, these wellness checks. Um, it's, it's just very important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and look at that. Look at the time. It's after five o'clock and Mr. Jones still got on the suit jacket. I'm curious, <laughs> do you have on the pants too? I do. You want me to stand on the I told you, I just walked in. <laughs> I do, <laughs> I literally. Yes, th thank you so much for uh, coming on. I just want um, you to let people know how can people find out about your events, your services, and what can we look forward to um, from you? And please share your final thoughts for our viewers. All right, so uh, we want to give some events. Uh, so what, we, what, we, what we're doing uh, in the district is we have a lot of initiatives um, we're doing our uh, mental health screeners that's taking place right now in schools. We also um, continue our expect respect campaign that focuses on character traits. Uh, also, my office is in charge of uh, some social emotional learnings through Sanford Harmony uh, that a lot of our support staff are assisting uh, students and teachers with. Um, I think my, my, my final thoughts for this will be um, during this, this session of thinking about parenting and generations, um, I think if you, to your own self, be true, uh, I think if you make the decisions uh, for the long term and not the short term, then you will come out on top. I also believe that if you take into consideration thoughts of others first and yourself last, um, then you will be cared for because if everybody does that, then just know that it's more than just you thinking about you. So taking, um, having considerations for others first and yourself last. And if we all do that, then we have more people thinking about us and caring for us than ourselves. Yes. Great. Yes. Thanks for that. Thank you so much for that. That's something that's, that resonates um, with me. I tell you, Mr. Jones, you be speaking the truth, raw and relevant. Yes, very uh, Mr. Very McGee, Mr. McGee uh, posted one more question. I'm sorry. Um, he said, as parents, how can we prepare uh, them for um, those experiences as our youth explore uh, new relationships? That's the last question. New relationships. Um, online, online. Oh, okay. So Gen Z youth now explore new relationships online. As parents, how can we prepare them for those experiences? Should we share some of our experience for them to learn from? Be cautious with that. 
um, because you don't want your you don't want your children um, to go down the same path. So I would say uh, temper that. Uh, be cautious of what you share with your children because what they do a lot is say what you've done, uh, and they use it at the most inopportune moments to share that with you. But I would be a bit more in tune um, to what's going on and finding out what they're into. Uh, something that I, I did, and I, I had to do it as a father um, to girls, it was important for me to know things like their favorite color, uh, their favorite flower, things of that nature. Um, what were their comfort foods? Like my son don't recognize what comfort foods are for women, uh, but I knew to get uh, cookies and cream Hershey's and vanilla Oreos um, just to be a bit more involved and in tune. And that is a part of being in tune uh, for, for your sons. Understand, you know, you might not, you may suck at the game, but, you know, an opportunity to just go down and play Madden or Fortnite or whatever it is, just giving them that opportunity to just talk about what's going on with them because you know what's happening at those ages and they, and they don't believe it. Kids literally don't believe um, that we were just like them. That's part of the reason that they're here. Uh, they just automatically think we got old when they matured. So like you, Dr. Pert, you said your 13 year old don't wanna have anything to do with you too much. That's because right now you're the queen of lame to a 13 year old. Tell you, me about it. You anything are I do is lame. Absolutely. You are the queen of my, my 14 year old. I mean, he just said the same thing to me, like, and, and, you know, my wife and my daughter looked at him like, well, you don't know daddy. He just didn't got a little bit more consumed, but <laughs> you have no idea. You told me I had no drip. Like, I have no drip. <laughs> Man, you see me how I walked out of this house this morning. He don't think this, this not dripping for him. I thought I was dripping today. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, be a bit more in tune with them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Principal Bogan said, great show. Hello, everybody. Hello, Principal Bogan. Hey, Mr. Bogan. Always awesome. Yeah, so thank you, Mr. Jones. You've given us a plethora of knowledge. You've been very reflective doing um, some of your conversations and your um, answers that you provided with our, um, from our questions. So we definitely appreciate you taking the time to join us this evening. Absolutely. Yeah. And all my... Yes, we appreciate you. Yep. So we'd like to thank this time to thank all of our viewers today for tuning in. And as always, we appreciate your support. Just a few final tips for the week. Make sure that you're safe and be safe by wearing your mask, use your hand sanitizer, and remember to practice effective social distancing. Thank you for tuning in to Mommy Talk this evening. A special thanks to our live audience. Be sure to check out our website at www.mommietalk.com and on our Facebook page, um, it's Mommy Talk Network as well. Continue to visit our website and our social media platforms as well. You all have a good evening and thank you for tuning in.